The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Well, happy Wednesday. I said, does he want to do the intro? And he said no. And then there he does it. This is what it's like. Marriage with Scott. Ten years in. Woo! Happy Wednesday, guys. Um, Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast. We're coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire. And we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. What is the quirky tip of the day? The quirky tip of the day is we're going to be discussing vestibular disease. And if you have a dog that is middle-aged or getting on in years, you should really research and get familiar with vestibular disease symptoms uh, so that you don't have a friggin' heart attack (laughs) if your dog actually happens to have this issue. That's true. And we're going to talk about this um, more from a story perspective, more than like a vet perspective, but we are going to touch on the medicine of it. It's a very common thing, guys. Uh, Vestibular disease is what it's called. It's also called idiopathic canine vestibular disease in old dog. Idiopathic. idiopathic. Is that what I said? Did I say I it wrong? Aopathic or no, something. idiopathic. Yeah. Same as they say with epilepsy. Idiopathic vestibular disease or old dog vestibular disease if you are researching. But if you have no idea what it is and you own a dog, you should really uh, look Get into it. With it. Yeah. yeah. So my biggest holdup with this, I probably personally have had, or dogs that I've lived with that have been mine at the time, probably had uh, half a dozen to like six to 10, I'd say dogs with vestibular in my care, but it pops up a lot of places, a ton of people. Like a breeding issue. To on, <laughs> it's not, it's just when they get old, it happens. A ton of people on my Facebook feed, a ton of friends. Um, you've dealt with it with me a few times. Did yeah. you deal with it before me at all? No, yeah. no, I hadn't seen it before yeah. you because I usually sell my dogs before they get into that senior <laughs> Scott, age. Scott, <laughs> Scott has dogs I'm for training. I'm starting to get more attached to my dog now that I've met <laughs> it's, you. It's a whole new thing, and then we have to care for them when they're old. It's no, interesting. No, but quite honestly, uh, I, I mean, I had uh, my first dog that we had with the family was a, um, what is it? Uh, English Mastiff, yeah. Nine years old. And so, I mean, you tend to get... Um, these border collies that can be 15, 18 years old. So there's a lot more opportunity for these old age diseases to crop in. And in Scott's defense, he got a lot of mouths that were pains in the butts and uh, he would keep them for a few years and then they would be too much for the family, whatever. So anyway, having dogs till they're old, you may see vestibular disease. Tell us their story, what happened with Sarge. We'll start with that. And then I'm going to cycle into why this is such a big deal for me and kind of how this topic came up. This has been something that has been like in my mind and in my thoughts for 20 years. But somebody just asked this question yesterday on Facebook and the way I responded, she said, that's my concern. So it's obviously more of a concern for other people and not just myself. So tell your story first. I was uh, going to a fly ball tell practice. My, tell well, my story you don't know my story where I was because if I say where was I, you'll just say you were off. Well, yeah, I was well. taking, yeah, I was taking one of my um, students' puppies who she didn't want anymore. It was a turf puppy to fly ball practice to see if anyone at fly ball practice would be interested in this puppy because it wasn't a good fit for her house. And I also brought my border collie to just run and do stuff. 
I happened to be two and a half hours on the other side of the state that day. I'm normally not two and a half hours away at that time of day, I would say. I usually I would don't say. allow my wife to be further than 10 <laughs> miles from the home. On this day, I had given consent. <laughs> I really I really appreciate that, sweetie. So anyway, that's where I was. So since people would, I don't know what you would have said, and I'm not trying to test you live. So you, Am I going to tell a story? Yeah, here? tell, them, tell them what happened while I was away. So anyway, Jess had taken off to this uh, thing on the other side of the state, and I was going to take care of feeding the dogs and just basic care until she got home later that evening. Probably, we sometimes let him have responsibilities like that. she would have been home seven hours later, something <laughs> like that. So uh, I had fed the dogs and we feed a raw diet and we're always in the process of thawing out raw dog food because it really stinks and it'll go bad if you have all this dog food that's raw and not frozen. So, and then there's the concern of choking. You don't want to give a dog frozen raw because they can choke. Well, the bottom line is I fed all the dogs. The stuff was Still kind of crunchy, but not rock solid. And all of a sudden, Jess's dog, um, Sarge, who was a Belgian Malinois, about a 75-pound dog, like a big shepherd, but they're just a tan in color. I hear this banging around in the crate. So I'm like, what the hell's going on? I go over and look in the crate, and he's like on his back, kind of flopping around. I thought, oh, shit, he's choking. He's choking on that. Maybe it wasn't thought out enough. So I open the crate door and I grab him by the collar and just pull him out of the crate because he was like, he couldn't even stand up. First I said, come on, let's go. You know, he couldn't right himself. Pulled him out of the crate and he's like convulsing. And I'm thinking, holy shit, the dog's having a damn stroke. This is her friggin' heart dog. She's had the dog for 14 years or something. And she's out of town. So I'm just like, I open up his jaws and I just like rip, stick my hand down his throat to clear the airway. I'm thinking, there's nothing there. So then I start like, banging on his chest, like trying to get him. I don't even know what I'm trying doing. to get I'm him going, trying to get him going. Right. <laughs> and it's, he's not coming out of it. And this is probably, this went on for probably a minute and a half, which seemed like about 10 minutes or something. So I just pick him up. I'm on the third floor and there's stairs to get down to my driveway. I pick this dog up and carry him all the way down to the car, throw him in the van, bring him to the, to the, uh, vet. And even in the car, he's like rolling on the floor in the front seat, tangling up my phone cords and like just flailing about, you know? And I'm like, holy shit. And so I get to the vet. I take him out, just get him in the grass. I think it was Sunday, too. It was a Sunday. Yeah. I called the emergency vet. They were coming from somewhere else to get there. It, it was like our emergency vet was like maybe a half an hour away. Our local vet also had emergency like care and a vet would have to drive 20 minutes. So it was kind of six to one, half dozen to the other. But with the dog freaking like rolling around in the car, Scott thought the shorter drive would yeah, be better. So anyway, I called Jess and said, hey, get your ass back here. The dog's having some kind of seizure. I'm not sure what's up. Uh, even if I put him out on the grass, he would just start rolling across the grass into the into the street. Like he just could not just be calm. He was like mentally, he was very very stressed out. And when dogs get stressed, they go into that fight or flight. He was trying to escape that situation, but he there was no way he could control his body. Anyway, the vet got there and he had calmed down. And she was thinking brain tumor. I think that I was think the it first was vestibular. Thing. I think they no, thought they, didn't they weren't say sure. Well, it was possible that was the brain weird, tumor. Yeah, they they didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. But I what, I had what, had experience. What concerned him about vestibular is he recovered so quickly. Well, that's why they're like, oh, I don't know if this well, is vestibular. This could be a brain tumor. Well, at that moment, the reason that the vestibular wasn't just screaming to everyone really is because a pretty telltale sign of vestibular, if you've ever seen it before, is this nystagmus where the 
eye, the dog's eyes are kind of like flickering. It kind of looks weird. There's also a head tilt. Um, it's kind of like a drunken sailor type of disease. Normally, if the dog's going to have vestibular, it's an inner ear condition, and they just have very the poor first, balance. The first symptom is losing the balance. Yeah, balance. It, falling everybody's over. symptomatic in different ways, but this like eye movement is a huge different thing. So my dog rolling on the ground like a floppy fish as I'm trying to drive across the state. Someone let me borrow a car, and I left that practice right away, and I left my dogs and that other puppy and a friend of mine helped me. And then I had, I paid for our employee and that girl to drive that lady's car back the next day. I mean, as soon as I got the call, I was like, holy shit. And it was Sunday night. I couldn't rent a car. So I took somebody else's thing. I'm driving back. Anyway, I get there. We ran blood work. The vet's like, I don't know what's up. Um, he wasn't still rolling, but he definitely was not coordinated. It was bad. So they had thought maybe it's a vestibular tumor. That was kind of the First go-to, not sure what we're going to do. So we brought him up to Maine Veterinary Referral Hospital the next day. Um, that's more of like a specialty clinic. They have more We couldn't stuff. spend money fast enough at that point. <laughs> well, no, I, I was really upset. I didn't no, know I what was going on. And the dog was only like eight at that point. But literally, like, I mean, the girl, my friend who uh, drove my dogs back home from flyball practice, her and her husband came over, Lacey and Derek. were all saying goodbye to Sarge. Taylor, our employee, came over. I think maybe her boyfriend came over. I mean, like, it was like, this is it. Like, the dog's not moving well. I'm not going to let him suffer everything else. So anyway, I go to Maine Veterinary Referral Hospital. I wanted to consult with that lady up there. And she's like, well, you know, the only way to tell if you have this actual tumor in the vestibular, vestibular tumor or anything else is an MRI. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, well, you know, that could be about $5,000. I'm like, well, all right, I'm not ruling anything out. Like, we want to know what's going on with my freaking dog. He's not that old. Anyway, another guy also worked at this place, a neurologist of my uh, dog's chiropractor called Dr. Potoff. He's now retired. And he said, uh, dog looks great. Uh, it was two days ago. Everything looks fine. It was probably vestibular. And I said, what, how was that vestibular disease? He's rolling around. All the vets are telling me that he's got a tumor. And he goes, probably in that first moment when the dog was freaking out and Scott was giving it CPR and trying to clear his airway and putting him through living hell when he was as drunk as he possibly could be. And thankfully my husband was trying to save his life and did all these things. But probably during that time, his eyes may have been flickering. This is what Potoff told me. And it probably is I certainly true. wasn't looking yeah, for that because I wasn't familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, at that point. But I wouldn't have done that in that moment either. It seemed more like the dog was now. seizing. We, Maybe. We have but enough experience now. Vestibular that presents itself for. so many different ways. So that for us was like this crazy big story of like, that was vestibular disease. Phew. We like got, we got by quick. It was like the greatest day ever. Pot off is like, I've observed them. I see them. Everything's totally fine. No need for an MRI. Like uh, it was old dog vestibular. I have had old dog vestibular Many other times, you just want to make sure the dogs can't go near the stairs. You want to make sure they don't jump off the couch. You want to make sure that if they're really nauseous, you're not giving them too much food so they're not puking. You might consider Dramamine. That didn't look like old dog vestibular. I was grateful that it was, but that was an extreme, extreme case. And had I not waited that situation out and maybe had I thought, oh, well, I can't spend five grand for an MRI and this vet said it's a vestibular tumor, I may have put the dog down that night thinking like, we don't have any other options. He can't move. Cause I would say what, in three days he was like normal. And it didn't reoccur with him either, no, which is unusual. No, no, not for, at all. For a vestibular. That does so, tend to reoccur. So that was a crazy like side subset. When it happened with Kayla, that was more normal. Yeah. And she was about 14 at the time, yeah. I think. 
So she went through the, that. So that's was the, the first, first dog you saw. That it. yeah, and yeah. that was one of my border collies, and she was old, yeah. and that was more normal. So what was that like for you? I think originally, and that's getting to be ten years or more ago, I but know. she started walking in circles or something. Yes, that yes, was the first thing yes. she did. Was she just started like all of a sudden yes. walking in a circle? I'm like yeah. what the frig's wrong with this and dog? When you have the a, head tilt was yeah. causing her to walk yes. in a circle. And when that head tilt happens. Um, you are going to see the dog going more than one direction. So anyway, my biggest concern with vestibular disease, and honestly, my concern with it, when it first happened to the very first dog that I ever got when I was three years old, when she turned 12, is that some vets see a dog come in like this, and they present it as a stroke. And it's very hard for a dog to recover from a stroke. However, strokes are very uncommon in dogs. So my biggest concern, and the reason that this is coming to light this week, is someone said, have you ever seen vets misdiagnose vestibular disease? And I said, I personally know of three cases, I think, that the dog had vestibular, they didn't wait it out, the vet didn't know what it was looking like, and the dog was euthanized because they said it was a stroke. And this person that posted that said, oh my God, that's my thought exactly, that's crazy. Now, this is not to say start second-guessing your vets and use Google and everything else while you're at your vets. But 20 years ago, my vet didn't necessarily recognize it right away, wasn't exactly sure. He wasn't sure what was going on, and we had to kind of figure things out. I've been to vets all across the country. When I used to tour and do entertainment and everything else, I have been to vets from Nebraska to Scott and I took dogs to California vets when we traveled and he was out there. There are literally some vets out there where like, I'll be like with uh, Giardia, no, Panicure and Metronidazole. And they would like be looking back in vet books to like show me. I'm like, no, my 15-year-old heart dog has Giardia right now. Like I need both. And I'm trying to explain this to them. So it's not that vets are idiots, but not all veterinary care is created equal. And maybe some old school vet in Alabama is less aware of vestibular disease than another vet that is very aware of it. And yes, if you walk in and the dog looks like it had a stroke, fine. My dog was rolling all over the place. We're like going to specialists for, you know, potential MRIs to rule things out, to help him the best we can. And he freaking had it. And no one diagnosed him with that. Like I told all of my good dog friends what was going on, all of his Eastern practitioners. And no, no one's like, oh, it's probably vestibular until the neurologist said that. So it's something to be aware of. I would say on a more positive note with Sarge <laughs> and this vestibular disease, before he got that, he was a total pain in the ass to me. I couldn't, I just didn't like living with this dog. He was just obnoxious and he, she let him do all kinds of bad habits because he was with her long before I met her. And, he, you know, he would do these things that just irritated me. After we had that little bonding moment where I'm carrying him down four flights of stairs and bringing him to the vet and I was so stressed out about him. After that, the relationship was different. Yeah, and I started all of a sudden bonding with this friggin' dog. He liked him more. Yeah. Uh, since we brought that up as a side note, which will be a funny thing, one of the things Scott didn't like is that he would make a bed. He would nest, you know, and he would turn and he would dig in the couch and he would dig in the sheets and then he'd make a bed. Well, his dog, Jimmy, who sleeps with us every night, loves to dig in the bed and make the bed <laughs> and do all this stuff. So the other day I said, oh, I'm going to go in and make the bed. And Scott says... Yeah, I don't know. There's some sort of rip on my side. I don't know how it got there. I don't know what's going on. I don't think it was Jimmy. So, you know, yeah, my dog did some annoying things, but when you love your dog, you let annoying things go a little bit more. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a little truth, a little truth-telling moment That's here. That's true. All right. I want to talk about um, other things you can do if your dog has vestibular, because this is always what comes up and people get super nervous about like, what do I do? Oh my God, I don't know what to do. So stairs are a big one, I would say. You don't want the dog rolling down the stairs. You're going to well, have a course. bigger problem. I'm, well, there's going to be a a time period where your dog has had this it's situation. It's unsafe. It's unsafe. And then the dog has to recover from that. Yeah. And that could be, 
you know, anywhere from a week to three weeks in that range where but it's just normally kinda... within a few days, things turn around pretty quickly. So yeah. stairs, you want to limit their movement, be careful where they are, careful of the puking, um, them being nauseous and everything else. Another thing to consider, just to, excuse me, just to add with, um, Kayla, the older yeah. dog that got it, she had to go down three steps to get into the yard. And I remember carrying her to the grass. Yeah. Many days after it happened, she was good to walk on the grass, but I think she would just yeah. Went her head balance, first down. her balance was still coming yeah. back slower. Um, acupuncture, Cairo. Some people swear by bringing your dog to a Cairo can help them through the episode. Really, the bottom line is you just have to wait it out. Like there's a head tilt, there's eye flickering. Some dogs recover fully. Some dogs don't recover that great. They keep the tilt. They keep whatever's going on. Yeah, I the, read about a wobbly. Some of them are just mm-hmm. wobbly. Yeah, and that doesn't go away. Yeah, and it just it totally depends on how strong the dog got there, maybe the dog's genetics, how the whole thing played out. It doesn't matter. But there's no, like, give them a pill and the vestibular disease will be gone. It's However, similar to with old people. Like, so many, you know, senior citizens have a twitch or wobble. Yeah. Or, you know, they just, you wind up having all kinds it of is, neurological stuff happening. but the thing with happening. dogs is, like, it's just such a, like, common practice thing to be like, okay, here it is. We see it. This is what happened. So... Yeah, the difference is an adult a human is going to get that MRI. What the hell's going on with this person? Where they're not going to do it typically for a dog because it's could be five grand out of yeah, pocket. That's an not MRI, happen. an MRI on the low end is 2,500 in the country. And the bottom line is like, it, it, you, the dog maybe had a stroke and maybe necessarily you wouldn't see stuff there. You, nothing's going to show up if it's vestibular disease. So that's a pretty big MRI to rule out. So give it a few days, um, cross-reference a bit and do some research yourself. Like get more acquainted with these little topics because it's funny, like the longer Scott and I are together, the more it's like, oh, I've been like doing these kind of things with dogs for like 30 years and his dog history has been more like 20 years. So even talking about like our origin in dogs and how it all transferred. But literally guys, for 30 years now, I've been hearing about canine vestibular disease. There's still concerns that it's maybe getting misdiagnosed and it can present itself in all types of different ways. So get your facts straight and be an advocate for your dog. And the good news is it's not a death sentence. It no, really not is not going to kill that's, your dog. But it's that just, is the most important news is yeah. like, oh my God, if it becomes a death sentence, like that's so disheartening. And if for some reason anyone out there is listening and they're ever second guessing a situation that happened with their dog in this situation, please, I'm not trying to at all make you feel bad. And I, for your sake and everyone's sake, we're going to think that your dog had a stroke or whatever else the vet told you. Because this is not a kick yourself in the crotch moment at all. This is whatever you guys did. It was the best thing for your dog and everything in that moment. But this is a get your facts straight from moving forward. Um, we are going to see you next week. I don't even know what or we're going to talk least, about next at week. At least if you think that the dog has had it, they've diagnosed it as a stroke, see if you can hang in for a couple of days. If the yes. dog isn't so, so, un- I mean, if the dog is brain dead, obviously there's no need to wait. Yes. But if the dog is not well, but but can you can communicate with the dog and maybe get Give them a few days. Yeah. Give them a few days to recover. And if you have insurance, do the damn MRI. Don't yeah. let a vet be like, oh, it's so much money. When she looked at me and said, it's going to be five grand, I was like, bitch, please. Have you met yeah. me? Like, are you kidding? Yeah. That's an insult. Don't look at me and say, oh, it's going to be a lot of money. Yeah. This really, dog- what they're saying is we don't have an MRI machine here. <laughs> You'd have to go to Matt down to Boston. <laughs> Crazy and they'd lady. Get all You'll the have money. to do with it yourself. All right. So we'll see you guys next week. I have do, doing this new thing and I'm proud of myself. Every quarter, I'm going to put update the quirky tips. And right now, the quirky tips for January and February are in the same link that the quirkydog.com slash support is. So I'll keep doing that and I'll keep each quarter up as you go. So even if you miss episodes and you just want the quirky tips, I mean, sometimes that's the best reason to tune in, even though my husband's very funny and And sexy. send us some tips. We could could use a few tips. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Take care and keep it quirky. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Squeak it up. (laughs) 
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.